Watch out, Russell Wilson. Chase Young is going to play this week in Denver, but Jerry Judy is also going to play against the Washington Commanders. And we have cakes from the junkies here on your 15 September daily Commanders update. Let's go. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to your 15 September daily commanders update. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. We are from ref the district on the believe network. Make sure you take the time to sub up wherever you're watching us because or listening to us because we are everywhere. Stoner Mm. great news today right off the bat is that chase is back. We mentioned yesterday. He was a full participant today. Not even on the entry report. Commanders saying he is cleared and going to be active for week two against Denver. Been standing again with Rivera on whether or not Chase Young plays with a snap count. Mm-hmm. Says they'll be smart and diligent. Kind of interesting on the snap count front, Stoner, because this was something last year he had to deal with. And That's he right. responded better than the team expected. So he ended up playing past that snap count. What do you expect from having Chase Young back in the field here week two? Well, first of all, it's fantastic that he is finally back on the field. He only missed the one game. That's why they didn't put him on the pup. So it's it's great that he's there. You add him to a defense that was already dominant in week one and Montez Sweat coming off the edge. Now, if Denver had any plans to you know, maybe slide the line towards Montez to try and protect that side, now you got to worry about Chase on the other side. He says mm-hmm. he's healthy. He seems to be healthy. And having him on a possible snap count, we'll just have to see kind of how it plays out just like last year. Cause like you said, he was supposed to be on that snap count last year and he just went right through it. Cause he was feeling so good. I kind of think it's going to be the same thing this yeah. week. And I don't necessarily think that he needs a lot of snaps to be disruptive. We kind of mm-hmm. saw that in the preseason game, he was only in at four snaps and he got after Deshaun Watson within yeah. those four snaps. And I think if that he was to stay healthy, he would be very disruptive. Now, I've been on your case a little bit because you've been on Chase's, uh, you know, case yes. this entire time. Correct. And, and you've outwardly questioned his desire to play. And he actually had a kind of a response to that as whether or not he's prepared. I want to play every game. Um, everybody wants to play every game. Um, uh, but, you know, it's all good. My time will come. Um, so. It's time, so it's now it's time to go play. So definitely, uh, you know, just blessed to be out there and uh, doing everything I need to do to prepare. So Chase saying that he's done everything that needs to repair. Even Coach Rivera has uh, talked about him doing everything that he's been asked to do. And mm-hmm. you, you heard it in the beginning, like he wants to be out there. A large part of this, and I think too many people, not necessarily you, but too many people were putting this on Chase when the team and the coaches, they kept telling us, and John Kime reporting and everything, like a lot of this was out of his control stoner, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not the one who got to de- who gets to decide if he sits or if he plays. That was the the coach's aspect. I, I I'm not saying this is the case, but what you have just described is a little term called plausible deniability, <laughs> right? So if you can just push this blame off of somebody else and say, well, it's not my decision. I had nothing to do with it. I'm not trying to speak ill will. I'm glad he's back. That's all I've ever wanted in all of the rants that I have about Chase is I just want him to be out there and I, and I want him to perform, which other than 
his rookie season, he hasn't done that. So that's all. I'm almost, I'm hoping he hears it from me and from the show and it motivates him to be better and he uses it as fuel. So look, he needs to be out there. He needs to perform. He needs to make his money and he needs to do it so that the commanders have a better chance to win because that's the bottom line. Say what you want about chase and wanting him to be great and all this other stuff. The whole reason we all want this and we push it and we get mad and we get frustrated is because we want him to help this team win. Yeah, we need to keep walking down that alphabet to the letter W as Coach Bienemy was talking about here. Yeah. This has not been easy for, for Chase Young either. I mentioned a lot of this has been out of his control, and he, and he kind of talks about it here on how it's been difficult. Um, you know, things happen um, outside of your control. Um, you know, just play football. You can't really control, you know, if you get hurt um, or things like that. So, uh, you know, I wasn't really tripping too bad. Um, I just knew um, my time was going to come again. So, uh, you know, I just stayed focused and uh, stayed consistent on what I had to do. And now we're here. Yeah. So we we all, as fans of this team, certainly mm-hmm. want him to to be that Chase Young 100%. from his rookie year. And I do think that he's got the opportunity to be disruptive against this Denver Broncos line mm-hmm. who, outside of a very good guard, struggled a little bit in week yeah. one. And, of course, you got Max Crosby of the Raiders who was causing them problems. Montez Sweat's pretty good. Coach Rivera, though, came out and talked a little bit about Montez Sweat and Chase Young are not the ones you really have to worry about. It's that interior defensive lineman that Washington has. Yeah. How did What did you feel about Ron Rivera's comments on, on that regard and, and having Chase back? Yeah, I, I like that, that he's, he's letting everybody know that the – defensive ends the edge guys they get you know they get all the accolades and they get all the attention and everything but this team is built from the inside out uh, especially on that defensive line so yeah denver's gonna have to come up with a plan for deron Payne and john allen and let's not forget about old ridgeway in there who who when he's in there he performs so yeah i like that i, I and i also like it almost as kind of a little hidden uh motivation for Chase and still Montez mm-hmm. to be saying, yeah, yeah, they they get all the glory and everything, but watch the inside guys. And then maybe Montez is like, wait a minute, after everything I did, you're still doing that? Well, let me go show you what I still got. Yeah, I, I will stand by my opinion on Montez being robbed of the NFC defensive player of the week. I think I that he had an outstanding week. I look forward to a big week coming from uh, the defensive line. And we actually – Get, get to talk to the Let's Ride guys. So you're going to want to check out that conversation we're going to have on our Saturday game preview because they have some high things to say about that line mm-hmm. as well. Getting back to the news side of the house here, Stoner. Unfortunately, Quan Martin, the second-round rookie, is going to be out dealing with a concussion. Curtis Samuel is going to play but is limited with a hip injury. What do you think about Curtis Samuel missing time? Because we know Quan Martin is just kind of a, an additional piece right now for yep. the team. He's not a an integral piece. Yep, exactly. And and Curtis Samuel, though, he was the leading receiver this past week. Let's not forget that he had five for 54. You know, it's not a huge number, but he did have the most catches and the most yards from the receiver position. So keep an eye on that to see how well he's going to play or how uh, physically – 
able he is to be uh, playing on Sunday because uh, that could be a big deal. Who's who's the backup in the slot? I know Jahan can play the slot, and he has played the slot, so they would have to move that. But then that just moves, moves keeps the line moving, and that's mm-hmm. Deami Brown time. Maybe he sees a couple of targets this week, which he had zero targets last week. Yeah, I, I think that if you're talking strictly slot, Diami's probably going to be more of an outside guy. Maybe it's the likes of Jameson Crowder, somebody who mm. they they bring up and allow to do punt returns and yeah. has that experience at the slot. So, but not so many experience in this BNME offense. So we'll be interested to see how that plays out for the team if Curtis Samuel's not or limited during the game, if, mm-hmm. you know, if he's on a snap count. Washington's going to have some tough sledding as far as the offense is concerned against the the Denver defense, which is what they're known for. But there is another player that is the eyes are all on as far as Denver's concerned, and that is on the offense. Jerry Judy is going to be playing. He was nursing a hamstring injury, originally thought going to be out four to six weeks. He's coming back here this Sunday against the Washington Commanders. How much of an impact do you expect Jerry Judy to have for Denver? Nathan, Jerry Judy's a problem for a defense. He's a problem for any defense. I don't care who you have back there. He's a difference maker. He's a speed demon. He's a fantastic route runner. So, they're going to have to really game plan for Jerry Judy if indeed he's playing. This could be gamesmanship because, like you said, it was supposed to be four to six weeks, and that was only like two, maybe three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't – they're going to have to game plan for Jerry Judy, and, and they're going to have to know where he is every single play. That could be the reason that this offense struggled last week, the Denver offense, and that they had so few yards per attempt from the passing game and only finished with 170 something yards passing. Mm-hmm. He's a difference maker. So that's worrisome to me. He might be limited with that hamstring injury. So when you're talking to him being explosive, even if he does play, what kind of push off is he going to see and yeah, get? So it'll be interesting to see how he performs, which of our cornerbacks do you want to see? We don't have a Pat Sertan like, Denver does which can just lock down a whole side of the field yeah who do you like against Jerry Judy if uh if he's full throttle here against the commanders which of our cornerbacks are you taking with them well I think that I don't I don't think it matters I think they what they need to do is that's the guy that's the one guy that they need to worry about so they need to slide their coverage to wherever Jerry Judy is and have two guys on him at all the time. Have a corner. If he lines up in the slot, fine. Uh, Benjamin St. Just is there with some safety help. And if he lines up outside, fine. If it's on Fuller side, if it's on Forbes side, it doesn't matter. But you're going to have to slide that safety for help and make Russell Wilson beat you with other guys that are not as talented. And then depend on your the rest of your defenders to lock that down. Put two guys on Jerry Judy at all times. I know that doesn't always work, right? Because he's he's great receiver for a reason. It's not like people say, oh, well, we're only going to cover him with one, and then he beats you all over the field. Teams do that. They slide defenses to get two guys on him, and he still beats them. So just focus on that. doesn't matter specifically who it is, but they're going to need to focus their coverage on him specifically. 
Well, that is the stoner game plan coming in here to help us from the Washington side of things kind of preview this game. It is Cakes from the Junkies 106.7 The Fan joining us here on Ref the District. Cakes, thanks for joining us here on Ref the District as uh, we bring the Daily Commanders update here and all the news. The big one today, Chase Young is going to play this week against Denver. Originally, I thought that we weren't going to see him until week three. How big is Chase Young being back on the field for the Commanders? I mean, I think he could potentially provide a huge lift to this defense. I mean, we know what Chase Young is. He's a he's a super uh, like inspirational rah rah guy, and you can you know that it's killing him not to be out there and playing with his teammates and not to be a focal point of this defense. And it's, it's great news for the commanders that you can add him to, to the mix of sweat and pain and Allen. And we, we saw how disruptive that defense was in week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Now you put another chess piece out there as talented as chase young is now, can he live up to the talent? Can he be a guy that, that can be healthy enough and productive enough that he'll give you double digit sacks, you know, 12, 13 sacks and, hmm. you know, get to that point where he's going to make that 20 plus million per year. That's yet to be seen, but I think it definitely provides a lift for this defense. Uh, his teammates seem to love him. They want to have him out on the field rather than in a t-shirt on the sideline, standing next to Ron Rivera. So yeah, I think, I think it can only be a positive to have him out on the field. Now, you know, is he going to play a full complement of snaps? You would guess not. Uh, you know, Ron was a little bit elusive about how much he'll be used and how much he'll be utilized, but I think it's only great news to have Chase Young out on the field in week two in Denver. It's great to have him back a week earlier than expected. And, and Cakes, have you noticed just from being in this whole environment with the team and with the beat reporters and, and all of that, have you just noticed a difference in attitude, for lack of a better word, of understand of being about this team? being with the commanders, with the new owner and, and everything that's going on. Have you noticed it from callers and from guests and from beat reporters and such? You mean like the, the general outlook yeah. on the team going forward? Just oh, yeah. on yeah, the organization. Night, night and day. Like yeah. you can just tell that the black cloud of, of ownership that followed Dan Snyder around for 20 plus years, that that's been lifted. And there's a new sense mm -hmm. of optimism, you know, with, the owners, the players, um, fans, especially like I, and, and look, I mean, how, how often is, is FedEx going to be sold out for an opener against the Arizona Cardinals? If mm. that ownership, like how many people do you think would have been at FedEx this past weekend? If Dan Snyder was still there and there wasn't this buzz about the new ownership taking over, you know, a new sense of optimism surrounding the team. Like the, the only way FedEx has been filled over the last five, seven or eight years is if the Cowboys are in town mm -hmm. or they're hosting a music team. concert. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, They cover up half the, the things with FedEx yeah, sheets. Like if, if there, if there were close to 50,000 people in the stands at FedEx field in the past few years, it's because the Cowboys are in town, the Eagles giants fill in a, a team with a big traveling fan base. I mean, this past weekend, 65,000 people were at FedEx and they were all Commanders fans. I mean, there might have been a handful of Arizona Cardinals fans, but and, and the one Ravens fan we know that the one with the Ray <laughs> yeah, Lewis jersey, that weirdo Ravens fan who you know we talked about on the junks. Like that dude took five or six, maybe seven shots to the head, and right. he looked like he wasn't feeling any pain. Man, that dude must have been out in the parking lot for hours pre-game. But yeah. 
Uh, but but yeah, there's definitely a sense of that people want to go out to FedEx Field to watch the Commanders, and if mm-hmm. they're able to secure a win in Week Two in Denver and come back two and zero to host the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. the ticket prices and the buzz for that mm-hmm. game are going to be completely off the charts if yeah. that happens. I think yeah. I think it'll still be a great atmosphere even if they drop the game in Denver. But if somehow they find a way to get a road win in a, in a tough environment and come back 2-0 and face the Bills here at FedEx, that place is just going to be pandemonium mm. in week Jumping. three. Well, well, they they are right now undefeated in the the Josh Harris uh, era. You know, of course, most that's preseason. And this game against Arizona did not quite go the way most of us were thinking it was going to go. And it wasn't a blowout victory. What does Washington have to do to secure that victory to get this hype going for week three? Well, I think first and foremost, we we all know that the the it, it it's something that works in tandem. The offensive line has to play better, and Sam Howell has to. He either has to have a better sense of when the pressure is coming on him and or Eric B has to move the pocket around a little bit, utilize the wheels that Sam Howell has. I mean, it's a, it's a blessing when you have a quarterback that's, that's that mobile. So why mm. would you just drop him back and let him have the pressure close in on him, move the pocket, use the legs, you know, use bootlegs, move, you know, get him on the move instead of just letting that pressure get in on him. I think that's the, the main thing. And and let's see a little more of the quick game that we heard was going to be, you know, a, a big part of this offense because you've got the pieces to utilize it with uh, Jahan Dotson. I mean, that, that guy is lethal in, in small, small, short spaces. Hopefully, you know, Terry McLaurin, we know can, can do damage there as well. And I was a little bit surprised too, by the, by how much Logan Thomas was used mm-hmm. considering the calf injury that dogged him throughout training camp. Uh, so I think if you if you have those pieces in place and the defense looks like it did in week one against the Cardinals, I think they, they've got a good shot at pulling off a, a slight upset. I mean, they're only three and a half point um, underdog in uh, in Denver this week. It's not like it's a seven or an eight point spread. This game's expected to be pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Home, home field gets you three points right there. So, I mean, it is pretty much a, a push game here. Mm-hmm. One of those uh, things with Denver is they've got Russell Wilson, a guy. I think we all wanted last off season uh, ended up going to Denver, not having a great first start there. They add Sean Payton, Jerry Judy's going to be here for week two. Wasn't there in week one and the loss to the Raiders. Does this offense for Denver kind of scare you or anything? Is there anything in there that worries you? Well, I, I think the, the addition of Jerry Judy is, uh, is a big positive for Denver. He's, he's a guy that's, you know, like a, a technician, really good route runner, kind of mm-hmm. along the Terry McLaurin lines, maybe a tad more explosive than Terry, but but close, similar type of players. Um, but the big question with him is he's coming off a hamstring injury, and we know that hammies more than any other injury, they, they're they really problematic for wide receivers. I mean, you, you could tweak that, and he could be, you know, down for part of the game or out for the next few weeks. Uh, it's just a matter of is he 100%? Is he playing at 90%? But he is a boost to that offense. Um, you look at the running game there, Javante Williams, former uh, Washington running back, Samaje P. Ryan. That's a decent tandem, but none of those guys scare you at this point because Williams coming back from a pretty serious knee injury. He doesn't look to be 100% back. They don't look like they fully trust him yet. Judy's the guy you really have to account for. Hmm. Uh, Dulcich goes on the injury list with, with a banged up. I think he's dealing with a hamstring too. Um, so they're, they're a little bit dinged up on offense too, not quite at full strength. Um, but 
you know, this is a team kind of like the commanders that they're, they're not going to score a ton. Like last year, they scored around 17 points per game, I believe it was. And in week one, they scored 16 points. So the, the, the switch hasn't been quite flipped and at least through the first week with Sean Payton there, I, I think it's going to take some time and, Look, we all know that Russell Wilson is not the Russell Wilson of, you know, the, taking the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. Denver was a little bit desperate. They wanted to get uh, what they thought is a top-tier quarterback. Look, nobody's going to put Russell Wilson in the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts category. He's a few steps down from that. So I think if if Washington can put the pressure on him like they did on Josh Dobbs, if that defensive line comes to play, I think it's going to be a dogfight out in Denver. Uh, just real quick on the on, on Sam Howell, I wanted to ask your opinion. Has your or has your opinion changed from the time they drafted him, pretty much as an afterthought in the fifth round, to today, to seeing him out there and performing and what he's done in the offseason, preseason, so on and so forth? Has your opinion changed, or are you still kind of on that spot where you're just not sold yet? Uh, it has to an extent. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I'm. I'm a bit of a quarterback where you were drafted elitist mm, mm. Just, because, just because numbers are for the most part on my side. Like yeah. how often do, how often do, you know, quarterbacks drafted, I think even outside of like the second round, how mm. often do those guys go on to become franchise caliber signal callers that you build your team around? Like most fifth rounders wind up with their ceiling as career backup, if you stay in the league three, four or five years, yeah. that's a pretty good run for you. Cause I mean, there aren't that many good fifth rounders that, that start for a team. Uh, if you craft that guy into your backup or third stringer, that's usually like, that's usually a win for your personnel department. Fifth rounders don't generally go on to become guys who are six, seven, eight, ten year starters in the NFL. So for that reason, I'm a little skeptical and look, he's got two starts under his belt, but you like what you see from him. He's mobile. He's he doesn't have premier height. He's about six feet tall. I like my quarterbacks to be about six three or six four. Mm-hmm. That's the sweet sweet spot. And we saw his pass get deflected in week one that, that led to a pick. So that makes you kind of that makes mm-hmm. you yeah, the, the question marks and red flags go up uh, a bit. But look, he's got Eric Bieniemy, one of the better offensive minds, calling plays for him. Uh, he he should be trying to put him in the best positions for his skill set. He's got a strong arm. He can move around in the pocket if that's what the enemy wants to do with him. I think he's got a chance to be good. He, I, and my outlook on him has definitely improved since when he was drafted. Because when he was drafted, I was like, ah, he's a fifth rounder. He's never mm-hmm. going to develop in a, into anything. But maybe that's just my bias against guys that are picked outside of the first round. Because We've seen tons of guys picked in the first round that bust, that yeah. don't become mm-hmm. anything in the league. Like Marcus Mariota is on his, is it his third or fourth team at this point? And he's a sure. backup to Jalen Hurts. He's never going to play unless Jalen Hurts gets injured. You know, like that guy was a number two overall pick. He wasn't picked mm-hmm. in the second round. He was the second overall pick. So if a guy like that busts, then of course a guy picked in the fifth round, or as EB likes to say, he was like the last fourth round pick because it was an extra story <laughs> pick. Mm, yeah. First pick of the fifth round made him a late fourth rounder is the way he, <laughs> yeah. he justifies it. But, you know, I am I have a bit of quarterback snobbery where you were drafted built in because generally the later you're picked, the, the lesser your chances are of becoming a top 
10, top 12, top 15 quarterback in the league. Well, you're in good company. Stoner Stoner preaches that as I'm well. Right Although Stoner did a 180 in the offseason and became a uh, howler as it is. <laughs> who's, if it's not Sam Howell, who's got to step up for Washington this weekend? Oh, if it's if it's not Sam Howell, if it's, that, not, that's, Sam Howell, yeah. if it's not Sam Howell, it's easy. It's it's the entire defensive front because mm. all of that money and draft capital has been poured into that defensive line, especially. And look, I mean, you've got Jonathan Allen and Payne both making big money now, both on their deals. Montez Sweat is playing for his next deal, and the way he played in Week One, he looked like it. If he doesn't get it from Washington, he's gonna get it from somebody because. Mm. You're a disruptor like that, like he was in week one, and you do that consistently, you're going to be making north of 20 some million dollars. Like, that's just the going rate for a guy like Sweat. And look, we know that Chase Young wants to be in that same company, you know, because the, the team didn't pick up his fifth year option. He knows the only way to go and get in, and be in that elite category is to go out and have a dozen sacks or 13 sacks. If he does that, then you know he's going to get paid like those other guys. But yeah, if Sam Howell can't carry them, the defense, especially the defensive line, has to be the ones that carry this team. We saw, I mean, from that sequence in the third quarter against the Arizona Cardinals, where I think I'm getting this sequence right, Payne on second down sheds the block, or might have, maybe it was first down, sheds the block, makes a good stop in the backfield. Third down, next play, Jonathan Allen makes a play. Next play, Montez strip sack gets mm. recovered. Like that's that's the way this team is built. Now I don't particularly agree with pouring all your money into the defensive line. Mm. I like offense. I like scoring. That's why they bring in Bienemy. Like you, you can't score 18 points and expect to win games in the NFL in 2023. So they poured the money in the, into the defense. You bring Bienemy to, to upgrade the offense. Hopefully that's the cocktail that works. So if if Sam Howe can't you know, bring them across the finishing line in Denver. It's going to be have, have to be that defensive line that does it. All right. Last question for me, Cakes. Uh, is it going to work? Is that offensive creativity with the enemy and all, is that going to work this week against uh, Denver? What's the score going to be? I, I certainly hope it works. Um, Commanders fans are not going to like what I, what I've done. I did it on uh -oh. the junk show because uh -oh. um, I'm generally a mush. So they, they <laughs> oh, want no. me to be picking against the commanders. Right. But, I'm just I'm not buying into Denver yet. Uh, you know, I, I'm not afraid of Russell Wilson. Uh, I just he, he doesn't run anymore like he used to. Like he that guy used to be a threat to pick up maybe 40 or 50 yards rushing on the ground. I think that's pretty much been neutralized out of his game. And I, I just think the defensive line is going to make make for a long day for Russ Wilson and, and that Denver offense. Uh, I like the over because this mm. is one of the, the lowest. I think is the lowest total on the board uh, at 39. I like the commanders to win 24, 17. Mm. That's a high scoring game for these two teams. That'd be something to, yeah, to see. I, mean, I don't know if there's a defensive score thrown in there or not. Um, but look, Sam, Howell, all he does is he throws a touchdown and rushes a touch rushes for a touchdown. That's what he he's done so far. So mm -hmm. maybe he throws for two runs for one. Maybe he uh, throws for two defense scores, something along those lines. I, I just think, I just think this is a game that's very winnable for the commanders. Mm. I don't, I don't buy into the, the old mystique uh, of mile high stadium. I think that this team can go in and I think they can pull a, a slight upset on the road. I, I like the commanders to win and to come back to FedEx two and zero. 
right. and for context, what did you have last week for Arizona Washington? Now I had I had the Commanders winning, but I yeah. thought it, I thought it would be a bloodbath for <laughs> the Commanders. I thought it would be yeah. an offensive explosion. I thought it'd be uh, a domination. I had the the Commanders winning thirty one to ten. I didn't uh, expect them to. I didn't expect them to be in in a, a dogfight, just yeah. a knockdown, dragout affair with the worst team in the league. But hey, you've got your your quarterback making a second ever start. There's going to be some growing pains with that, and I I think Commanders fans they're at peace with that. Like it's not always going to be pretty with Sam Howell, but mm-hmm. hopefully you see some incremental growths, you know, some growth week after week, he adds to his resume, gets a little bit better at maybe, you know, some of the deficiencies. And uh, look, Ron said, said as much that when, when this guy faces adversity, he, he learns from it and he hopefully goes out and conquers it uh, in the next game or two. So I, I think you're going to see a, guy, uh, a Sam Howe that, isn't going to turn the ball over like he did in, in the first game. Hopefully he cleans some of that up. And uh, the offensive line uh, is a little more in sync. And uh, I, I like the commanders by seven. Well, let's hope they do flip the script there. Maybe maybe we just had our weeks off. It was supposed to be a close game this uh, this week and a yeah. blowout last week. Maybe it's a close week in week one and a blowout here in week two for the commanders. We'll see on Sunday as they take on the Denver Broncos at mile high cakes. Thanks for joining us here on ref the district. Of course, this is cakes from the junkies on one Oh six, seven, the fan. And I'm Nathan. That's the stoner. We're ref the district on the believe network. And until next time, go Terps be a fan. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.